0: The game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't
1: miss. You couldn't make that if you tried that again.
0: Absolutely not.
2: Welcome to Buckets NBA Finals Edition. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by my colleague, NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson, and. NBA analyst Joe Dallara as we bring you the NBA Finals preview that you know that you need. We're recording this on Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day, gents. Hope everyone's out enjoying the springtime weather, early summer in some spots. But we are here to talk about betting the NBA Finals. As on Sunday, the Boston Celtics, the team that we did say was the better team all throughout the series, did get the win and advance the NBA Finals. Seeking banner 18, they'll go up against the Golden State Warriors out of the Western Conference. We're going to do best bets on the series in this episode. We will go over our looks on the broad view of the series, how we see it playing out, all that. We are going to record a game one pod concurrently after this one. So you'll be able to find that in your feed as well. So on, you should be able to find both these podcasts within a couple of hours of each other, looking at both the series prices and how the series are going to play out, and then a game one specific betting guide for that game. So let's go ahead and start here. We're going to go ahead and just say the best bets off the top. Joe
1: Delera, what's your series best bets for Warriors Celtics in the NBA Finals? So my favorite bet is for the Golden State Warriors to win game one and the Boston Celtics to win the series at plus 400 at BetMGM. You got anything well, else or is that it? I like that's my favorite series bet. Uh, and I'm not I don't think I'm going to stray from that right now. OK, OK, so good.
2: <laughs> Just you get that one that's, that's possibly live for four days. Brandon, <laughs> what's your best bet for the NBA finals? Best bets, hopefully.
0: First one. Same as Joe Warriors game one Celtics series plus 400 at Bet MGM. And Matt, if you like that one, just wait for this one. Oh this boy. is mostly just a little, this is a fun one. I was going to save this for later, but we want bets with plural. So I'm going to do it at the top at FanDuel. You can do the thing. I tried to tempt you into last round, Matt, where you can bet on the exact outcome of how the series plays out. Here I go. Warriors game one Celtics game two, three, and four. Warriors come back at home to keep their season alive. Celtics in six is plus 2,700 at FanDuel for an exact outcome. Just a, just a little nibble. Just, you know, that's kind of the direction I see the series going. Celtics in six after the Warriors take game one. So the main one, though, Warriors game one Celtics series.
2: I have bet five different exact series outcomes. Yeah. Five <laughs> different exact series outcomes for a combined total of a unit. That's exactly what, that, what could
0: possibly go wrong. What could possibly
2: go wrong? Look, like, I want to take flyers. These numbers are wild. And I love thinking about these type of things. So this one like appeals to me. I- I'll just go ahead and say my best bet for the series is Celtics minus one and a half plus 200 on the series spread. Um, so we're all in agreement on the Celtics, which is uh, a bummer. I wish that we had more disagreement here. Uh, I will not be lured into any sort of bets that are contrary to like what the cap is based off of the conversation. Like I have, like I did a little bit, not soul searching. I just like did like a little bit of like stock. i like, okay, did I go? I didn't really go wrong on Celtics. heels. we talked about like, I had so many Celtics warriors tickets as finals matchups that not only did it like ease, like one of them easily covered all of my Celtics or my warriors bucks tickets, which is great. Like I came out massively ahead, which is why I can take these flyers. Now, is because of the amount that I made on, on, on the finals matchup. So like I've come out dramatically ahead. This, this, this tactic continues to be very profitable for me. Brandon hates it as much as I hate his game one and series prop. Um, so I'm like in a pretty good spot here. You know, I think the conversation about Boston is flawed. Like I'll just say that out at the top Boston is talked about as this great, amazing all time team. They're very good. They're great ish. The great thing I like about these playoffs is nobody is that good. I love that. I want parody. I want the teams to be close. This isn't just, however, after I did the research this morning and really kind of dug into it, why I did. I stayed up late and watched the film and did all the research. I have lots of numbers that we'll throw, throw out here in this program. Um, this isn't just that I think this is a, a close series and the Celtics are getting a good number at a plus number. Sometimes like the heat, I played that a little bit just because I did think the series was close. And guess what? It went to a game seven and Jimmy Butler had a chance at actually taking the lead, which um, as that shot went up, I heard Brandon's just shrieking across the country uh, into my living room. I could hear him cry out in terror. Uh, But luckily that shot goes awry. And so and so. This isn't that, though. I genuinely think that the Celtics at this point, based off of the research I've done, are going to win. I don't think this is a slam dunk case. I don't think that this is I'm not so I'm very rarely as if you listen to this podcast like, oh, absolutely. This is 100 percent going to happen. I'm typically just pushing back against when things go too far. And that's often the case in sports discussion where whether it's on betting or anything else, you want to make your case so much that you wind up overstating things. The problem is I get suckered then into being like, well, that's not true. So I'm going to go the other way. And that's not what you want to do. Our good friend Raheem Palmer, now of the ringer, mentioned that he has the Celtics favored in this series. By my numbers for game one, which we'll talk about again in the next episode, I have the Celtics favored on the road in game one. I had them favored in Miami in those games as well. And so I'm returning to that. I'm getting past the idea of getting suckered into any sort of like narrative discussion. And I'm going to focus surely on the numbers. And to me, the numbers indicate that I should be on Boston in this matchup. Um, Brandon, let's start here. Uh, let's talk about further betting. Okay. Let's say that you don't, the warriors don't win game one. Let's say the Boston wins yep. game one, your opportunity to bet Boston at a, my, at a plus number is now gone. It will be gone. How do you then right. bet that series in the event that you're wrong about game one?
0: Well, I'm going to be right about game one because that's how I do it. Uh, but so I I ran my numbers also on the series and I could not believe this. I, just, just straight up series percentages. Cause like, look, I think we're all going to end up at a similar spot here. I think obviously we all like Boston better, but we all have to like Boston better despite that they've just played two seven game series. And despite that the Warriors are the home team and home for game one on a short rest from Boston and home for possible game seven. So that has to frame the whole thing. For me, this was kind of the conversation with Boston, Miami was like, well, I definitely like Boston better than Miami, but Miami has the home game one. Miami would get the home game seven. It gives them some out. This is similar to that, except that I certainly like golden state more than Miami as Matt knows. So I ran the numbers. I have warriors winning the series. 49.4% of the time and Celtics 50.6% of the time because I like Boston better, but the Warriors, the Warriors winning game one is my surest outcome of any game that I have set up in the series. And the Warriors winning game seven, I think is one of my next surest outcomes. So to your question, if I like Boston, but my bet dies because Boston has won game one. Now, what do I do? I think, I think the Warriors nearly have to win game one to win the series. If the Warriors win game one, I put them about 58, 60% to win the series. If the Warriors lose game one, I drop them down to about 25%, maybe a little bit higher than that. So that's how important I think it is for them to get this first game. Matt, your bet, Boston minus one and a half on the series line. That's my second favorite bet in the series. I've had to make a different one. It's plus 220, by the way, at BetMGM. I will probably make that bet. I just want to make it after game one because I'm going to get a longer number as long as the Warriors win as I expect. If I wait and Boston wins, I don't know that there's an angle. I think I probably missed my chance. But is Boston a favorite if they win game one on the series? I assume they're probably a slight favorite.
1: Yeah, it has to be.
0: What do you think, like minus 120? 30, somewhere in there?
2: Probably deeper. I would say, like, you take game one on the road. You think it'd be a full split? Yeah. Minus 160, the Warriors to, like, probably, minus 14. probably minus 140. I would say that there's a little bit of, yeah. a, of, a, of a cutoff there just because of the, of the public perception. I think if you if you go minus 140, you're going to get they're going to, it, it depends on it, it might be minus 160 and just, like, even worse hold on Golden State because yeah. you're not yeah. going to want to make Golden State
1: a big dog. Yeah.
0: So so I think for me, it's just a spot where I can afford, I'm not so overconfident that Boston is going to take this. When my numbers say nearly an exact coin flip for the series, I don't want to be so overconfident that I have got to find a Boston position no matter what to hang on to. So if I just lose game one because the Celtics were so good in the series that they won it, then I think I just tip my hat and say, well, Boston's probably going to win the series this is the NBA finals and we're
2: on an NBA finals betting program. And you're basically saying that in four days, well, that's good. I'm you're doing the, the, the SpongeBob mean, well, I'm going to head out. Like, that's what you're saying here is like, well, if I'm wrong about this one
0: outcome, then I'm done. On the specific series after game one, I don't think there'd be an angle for me. Maybe the Warriors come back and provide an angle. Maybe the angle is, Taking the Warriors now, if if they're depending on what their number moves to, or maybe the angle is taking like Steph to an MVP or something like that. On the series bet alone, I think after after a game one Celtics win is not a great spot to bet them.
2: So okay, uh, so would you okay, Joe? Do we agree that there's value on the Celtics at plus one thirty series spread since you like them to win the series with
1: this more complicated mechanism? Yeah, I do. I think that there's probably more on the bet that you took the minus one and a half. Cause yeah. I think if it goes seven, they don't, they probably don't win right. there. Like I, I do not, I would not want them in a game seven against the warriors at home. Brandon so, knows this. Bre- Brandon knows why I took the minus one and a half because if it goes to
2: game six, what am I doing? Brandon?
0: You will be hedging.
2: Hedge, I will be hedging because that's what <laughs> I do. I spend yeah. my life searching for little tiny ROIs. Um, so yeah, like, but we agree that there's plus one thirty value. Brandon, you agree that like I, my question for you is: is the yeah. plus one thirty is that enough EV for you for a better if they're listening to this podcast and they don't want to lock themselves into the outcome four days from now, or they don't want to lock themselves into the series, but yeah. right, if they're like, well, I want the 100%. I want the possibility of of them winning in seven because they just beat the Warrior or beat the Heat yeah. in on the road in game yeah. seven, one hundred percent. Plus one
0: thirty is forty three point five percent implied. And I just said a bit ago, I have Celtics at 50.6%. Okay. So that's about 7% of value. So yes, okay. there okay. is value. I I think that they can win a game seven on the road. I, I would not want to take that away from them. So if yeah, you just like the Celtics better, just take the 130 and ride with it. Yeah. um,
2: Yeah. You no longer fear game sevens at all. You just have, you've just decided to throw out all of the game <laughs> seven data entirely. That's just like. Where you're at so you're just like I'm done. I believe much more in the fact that the Celtics have not lost after uh, lost after losing in these playoffs. That's been your bread and butter go-to. Like that's a, a large reason why I'm on this is I'm just like, well, okay. They have responded to all these losses. Their intensity, like their mindset is a lot of this. That's yeah. a very narrative thing, but it matters to me. Like I trust that if Golden State takes game one, that Boston's gonna come in and they're gonna find a way to steal game two if golden state can't takes game three in Boston, I have a lot of confidence. They're going to come back and they're going to win game four. I don't think the golden state can get both in the Bay. I don't think golden state can get both in Boston. So I'm not looking at a three, one series either way. And so at that point, okay, it's basically five and six and, and Boston has proven this to me over and over again. Um, there, I have a lot of stuff to, to kind of like dive into on this series. I'm going to have, I have, I have written, Quite honestly, um, an insane amount of words in the last 12 hours. I did not expect to write this much. Usually I'm like, I do a lot of film and it just kind of percolates in my brain. And I just started writing everything I noticed when I started doing the film work and looking at the, at the details. I have a, a number of takes on stuff. A lot of it's player based, which is going to make for, I think, a fascinating discussion in the finals MVP conversation. But I'll, I'll go ahead and ask this from a starting point. All right. If we believe that Boston is going to win the series, which we do then my the way I'm approaching this is that Boston's defense is going to be better than Golden State's offense by a wider margin than Golden State's defense will be better than Boston's offense, right? If you take that back, you're basically like, oh, congrats, Matt. You just said that they're going to score more. But what I really mean by that is that I have more concerns about Golden State's offense versus the level of this elite defense and how they are schematically built than I do about Boston's offense versus this Golden State defense, which is very good. And again, I continue to think that this Boston offense is not that great. I still think they've gotten a lot of breaks. They've gotten a lot of favorable stuff to go in their way. I'm kind of banking that that's going to continue. Like, if you ask me, like, if, the, if they had to play, like, three more rounds without endurance questions, I don't think I'd like Boston. Like, they should have lost to the Bucs. Never going to get me off that. They should have lost to the Bucs. But they didn't because Chris Middleton got hurt. And now it's like, I, but when I look at this, Golden State's offense has been inconsistent enough. If I'm worried, Brandon, if you're, if you're looking for, okay, I, I want to bet Warriors. You guys are all saying Boston. Give me a reason to bet Warriors. Your bet has to be predicated on the Celtics defense cannot slow down Golden State's offense. Do you agree?
0: I think it has to be predicated on that. And I think you have to just be hoping for Warriors offensive variance. When when we did the Boston-Milwaukee series, I made my case for Milwaukee. For me, it's the case for Boston here. I think Boston's defense is better enough and great enough. And in a weird way, that their offense is actually more reliable, I think, than the Warriors will be here. Like, more reliable with a lower ceiling, but a higher floor. I kind of know that Boston is going to give me a shot in every game. The Warriors are going to shoot like 45 or 53s a game, they shot 46 and 48 in the two games in the season. That was 53% of their shots for the regular season. The Warriors attempted 46% of their shots on threes. So that was even higher than usual, like over half their shots on threes that makes them high variance. So if you like the Warriors, the case is it's the thing we saw from the Mavericks in a couple of their series wins, not against the Warriors. Didn't work. The threes didn't fall, but look, we just watched two series, Boston, said, go ahead, Miami, go ahead, Max Struess, go ahead, P.J. Tucker, go ahead, Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, take your threes. Whoops, you missed, we won, we advanced. And Golden State, those threes are going to be Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole or Otto Porter, or Andrew Wiggins. You feel better about those threes. Obviously, Steph's going to get his too, but those extra guys shooting threes, I think your hope for Golden State is best. Number one, you hope that the offense Good offense can beat good defense because the Warriors just make shots. Number two is you got this formula. Golden State, game one, at home, big rest differential advantage. Golden State, game seven, at home, where home teams are typically dominant. That's two wins. Golden State has won at least one road game. I forget the number. Something like 26 or 27 straight series now. That's three wins. You only need four. So if you give Golden State one road win, a game one win, and a game seven win, they only have to win game two at home or game five at home or another road win. That's to me, is the formula, and that's why I think they still have a very real chance here.
2: Joe, when we look at this, uh, what's the biggest reason that you like Boston for the series um, as well as Golden State in game one? But for Boston in this series, what what's the, the reason that you think that they wind up winning, especially after they go down um, – one because historically the trends, which Brandon doesn't care about, uh, have favored the, the team that wins home game one to a, a pretty high degree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that we've seen from Boston throughout the entire postseason, though, is their ability to make adjustments. And I think that even if they lose game one, I think they can learn a lot from that and take something from that. And I think that there's you know, there's obviously some fatigue, but there's going to be more days in between these games. And I think that we've seen a lot from Al Horford. I think that this is a good opportunity for Robert Williams to maybe get a little bit of rest uh, because when he's healthy, I think they need him for their rotations anyway. But I think that like Brandon said, their offense kind of has a certain floor to it that we shouldn't. So I don't think we'll see them totally drop off. And you could argue that, you know, Tatum is probably the best, score in terms of creating his own shot between either team, even though Curry is obviously on the Warriors. But I I think that there's certain pressure points that Boston can take advantage of in Golden State's defense, like whether it's Jordan Poole, whether it's, you know, maybe Robert Williams, if he can, if he can stay on the floor defensively, he can become a pressure point on offense because the Warriors don't have like a real big, like they have Looney and he's played well, but I think you can kind of run a bigger lineup if you're Boston between Horford and Williams, and that rebounding advantage could be significant. So I think that Boston's defense coupled with some of their personnel, but I think the margins, like the margins, I think definitely a little bit thinner because they don't have, I feel like they don't have as many different personnel counters as opposed to maybe coaching counters, they're going to really rely on that. And then hoping that they have health from Robert Williams, Al Horford and so on. And they can stay on the floor. Yeah. I think it's, it's really
2: fascinating. I'll say this, uh, doing the film work I have, you know, Williams, when he's been on the floor, right. Their defense has been just berserk. Like it's been incredible when Williams has been on the court. Um, However, <laughs> what's interesting is this team is the, the number one team that you need to switch against, which is great because Boston switches a ton. You know who doesn't switch is Robert Williams. In the playoffs, when Williams is switching, like here's here's the overall numbers. When Robert Williams on, is on the floor in the postseason, they're giving up 98.5 points per possession. That's incredible. That's phenomenal. You, you're below 100 and you're elite. Um, one of the issues, however, is that Williams can't really switch. They give up 1.15, so that goes to 115 per 100 possessions with Williams switching as a screener defender compared to 0.824 or 82 points per 100 possessions in all other switching possessions. What I'm telling you is that when the Celtics have switched with Robert Williams, they've gotten cooked. And when I went back and watched the regular season matchups with Williams, it was pretty apparent that Williams is just not comfortable playing out there on the perimeter. And so what the Warriors did a little bit. And again, a lot of this is like when you have two teams that play at this level, there's always a little bit of let's not show what we're going to see. There's a, not a lot actually of curry action in games one and two of this regular season series. The easiest, most popular thing to do is, well, there's totally different teams. You you, you, you can throw those games out because of bubble. the reason I pay attention to these is to see you have two coaches that want to play a certain way. Based on these matchups and the game plan in place, what were their basic takeaways? And so you try and find some things. And Williams is just not good playing at that perimeter. He's foul heavy. He gets out of position. He will overplay, which allows Steph to then split and come back into the middle. Especially on off-ball stuff, Williams plays back a little bit. And when they come off of those DHOs or just off-ball screens, that means clean open threes. So Williams I'm a little concerned about that i am a little bit concerned about time lord being able to stay on the floor in this series brandon before we talk props is there anything you want to push back on with with me on there
0: no i'm i'm with you on that and that will play into props is that i i was worried at first when i was thinking about golden state i was like man i don't know if looney's going to have a great role in the series i feel like they're going to have to play small a lot because i don't know if looney can stay out there and i was like oh well looney can play when rob williams plays and I think by, like I think those are the minutes. I think you mat you mirror those two. but I think the longer the series goes, the smaller that we're going to get. And not really small, but I think we're going to get just a lot of Draymond at the five. And I think too, and this worries me as I thought through this. If Looney doesn't play a big role, I think Otto Porter is yes. kind of a really important player in the yes. series, and that has to worry. If you, if you are trying to bet on the Warriors and Otto Porter is a really pivotal player for the series, that has to be a bit of a worry. Like Otto's been good. Otto was really good. 20 minutes a game, the last two series, but he hasn't been healthy. So we don't know. We don't know if he can like in this moment, will he make the threes? Like we're, we're going to get either Otto or Wiggins or both are going to be in that Harrison Barnes spot of go ahead, buddy, take your eight threes. Let's see what happens.
2: I will go a step further on you. They played a little bit of auto at five versus Horford and it worked.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it can be really good, but so, it's, it's a bit so, worrisome that that is a pressure point. Th-
2: think about the, think about the, think of it this way. All right. Um, they're beating you with Looney because Williams can't drop. So you go to small with Horford so that Looney can't stretch out to guard Horford. So the Warriors turn around and they go Porter at five because Horford can't stretch out to guard Porter. Like, that's how this evolution goes. What I do think is interesting, you said we're going to see this, see small more and more. That's a pretty safe assumption just because most series get smaller as they go along. That's just where we've been. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be writing a whole thing about this series is fascinating for a number of reasons, but it's also depressing for one. There's basically one way to play. Shoot a bunch of threes and switch everything. Like, that's essentially the formula. Switch everything. Play small. Shoot a ton of threes. That's what both of these teams kind of teach you. The Warriors, funnily enough, actually have kind of moved away from that. Like you mentioned their three-point yeah. rate. In the playoffs, it's down considerably. And you could say, like, well, part of that's because of who they were playing, I think to a degree. But I actually do think that they're going to attack inside quite a bit once they get Williams off the floor.
0: Um, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's fair. Because I noted that like, oh, the, the Warriors have been getting all these freebie two pointers against especially against Dallas and Denver, when they just kind of stretch out the defense and then just take what's there inside. And I was like, well, Boston is the best in the league at two point defense or close to it, at least depending on which stat you use, that's not going to happen anymore. But you're right. When when Robert Williams goes away and then things stretch out and now it's Grant Williams who I know that you have some issues with or, or Horford, depending on the switching, yeah. then it's maybe there. I, I did make the same note though. A few, a few friends, who are, let's say, who are not NBA analysts have been like, oh man, what a great finals, the number one defense and against an elite offense. And I'm like, well, no, that's really not the series. It's really two great defenses and two offenses that aren't really as good as you think that they are. And then I looked at the numbers for the playoffs so far, the Warriors are number one in offensive rating and they're pretty good on defense, but they're number one on offense. They're hitting their shots they their their true shooting and effective field goal and all that is through the roof. So it, it's it, they the have trended that way. And of course, like it's more clay and more pool that, you know, early in the season when they were obliterating teams defensively, was not as much pool yet, who has been a problem, but it was a lot of Gary Payton and it was a bunch of Iguadala, who we don't know if he's gonna like they're a bunch of defense first guys. Who I will made say made a big impact.
2: There's, there's a lot of indications those guys are gonna be available. I'll just say that like maybe they're gonna be gonna hurt not hundred percent. That's fair. Uh, but like likely even. But like you're you're I think you're I would just say that you're giving a perception that those guys are like really super questionable. And I don't think necessarily that they are. They practiced today, didn't scrimmage, and Kerr kind of intimated that they would scrimit they would scrimmage later in the week. And that probably means that
1: they're gonna play. You got something, Joe? Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like my concern my one concern with this series, like if it does go small, I think that that plays into the warriors like strengths. Like I, if I'm going to say like, I want to play small against the Celtics because you don't, you take out two of their key rotational players in Robert Williams and Al Horford, like they need them. Like, I don't know, like you're going to see Pritchard on the floor in the finals. That's not what you want if you're Boston. So I'm concerned that if, if the series does go small, like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that favors Boston. I think they might want to try. I think they need to try to figure out a way to keep Robert Williams on the floor. I don't think they can get Horford off the court because
2: in any lineup there, even if like you play Porter ostensibly at five,
1: you're still going to be playing Draymond 45 minutes a game. Okay, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like Horford's not. You know, he's no spring chicken here. Yeah. Like I, playing like 45 minutes a game in the finals I, that we think is going long, I think is untenable. Like, I don't know how you do that after you came off back to back seven game series, but I mean, well, he's been doing it. So well, I like
0: a problem with that. Cause I would be with you and I would be a little more worried about Boston off the two seven game series, but we're at the finals now where we just milk this out for the next three weeks. And yeah. there are, two entire days off between every single game of the series, except game three and four in Boston. Well, so I think, I was just, I, like, I think do, yeah. do we agree that that helps Boston more than helps Golden State? No, I don't.
2: I, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on this. I think Joe's more right that like, look, you're at the end of it. You're at the end of, a, a, of an eight month long season. And now you're playing these like 45 minute games. And then you're like, well, they have two days off. Ooh, an extra day when one of its travel, you still have to do media. You still have game. Like, it's not a relaxing two days. It's you have media requirements, you have travel and you have like serious game planning and all the other stuff. Like, I don't personally think that it's like a bit you've really gotten into the like, well, it's more straight out. I just don't think that if if it was like four days, then okay. but we don't have like this long gap. That's enough to get over. Like, is it helpful not to play every other day? Sure. Is it like enough to counterbalance like Al Horford being 37 and needing to play 45 minutes a game? Because I have serious concerns about Grant Williams. Probably not. Um, I'm just on the other side of just like, nope. I think Al can handle it. He's in great shape, and Al's the man.
0: Yeah. Which is yeah. why, well, I, like, the, the I, thing is, if you if you want to be worried about Al, fine. But then you've got to be worried then too about Draymond holding up, who had back yeah. injuries not long ago, and Steph, who has an ankle injury. Like, and, and there are you know Smart and Tatum. their injuries on both sides, but the Warriors have the other old guys in the series. So if you want to do the Al thing, then you have to be worried about But them. they are all
2: younger than Al.
0: Yes. By several years. And that yeah. gap,
2: I think, is significant. I will say this um, before we move to Pros, because this is actually a really good transition. Um, in my opinion, there's been a lot of talk about like, well, Boston's just faced this incredible road. Look at who Boston has beat. And I'm kind of like, look, the Heat were better than they were given credit for, but everyone said they sucked. So let's throw out the Heat. Because everyone said the Heat sucked. Then we've got the Bucks. I don't know if you know this, Brandon, but the Bucs were without Chris Middleton. I don't know if I've mentioned really? it in It He was out that series for, really? series for the whole series. For the whole series. And then like the Nets, and then like the Nets were a joke. The Warriors, on the other hand, you mentioned like their defense has been kind of meh. The Warriors faced Nicole Jokic, who could literally pull a 111 offensive rating out of almost anyone, and that series kind of proves it. Um, they faced Memphis who mash up very well with them and had Ja as the initiator and then faced Luca. And as our good friend said, snipers to me, offensively, not overall team quality, but offensively, the warriors faced a much tougher road. The Celtics faced a bunch of like the nets literally don't have an offense because they're run by a space cadet. Uh, the bucks didn't have their primary like ball handling wing. And Giannis was still ungodly. And nobody else could shoot anything. Shouts to Drew Holiday uh, and Grayson Allen. Uh, and then the Heat, like we knew, we talked all year about like the offense being like the concern. And when it was bad, it was even worse to the point where it's like, again, Miami got bad shot variants on top of Boston's elite defense. So to me, that's the thing now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players you probably already have a fantasy league on there i use it for mine it's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry and now you could win on sleeper by playing their new over under game it's super simple first in any sport just choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under for example the number of points in basketball or hits in baseball or rebounds or stocks whatever it is that you're into then choose the amount of of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. I have some real squares in my life that I'm looking forward to to taking some money off of. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' pics with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash buckets. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash buckets and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We talked about Horford. So I want to go ahead and start there with our props conversation because I have. Let's go ahead and do our, our best bets for props. Series bets, including finals MVP. Cause I'm looking to you guys for all the, the numbers ones. I mean, a number of bets before the series started, I actually made them when the, the finals MVP first came available in the, in the, second round, I lost value on Jordan Poole Somehow I got him at 18 to one. And now I know Brandon, you have him at 200. Um, I got him at 18 to one. He's now 20 to one, 25 to one. That's annoying. That's very annoying that I lost value on Jordan Poole Somehow. Uh, I grabbed a step at a long number. I grabbed Jason Tatum at a long number. I actually do not recommend either of those bets. Uh, my finals MVP best bets. Tatum is the hedge. You basically, you bet the value on Tatum. Al Horford at 40 to one to win finals MVP. I think this is a preposterous number. Brandon, what are your best bets for finals MVP and series props?
0: That's really fascinating because... You called Tatum the hedge, and we'll get into what we think on each side. I think Steph at plus 120 is the hedge. I think, to me, if the Warriors win the finals, Steph is the MVP. Steph would have to play like the MVP for them to win it. So I think if you want the hedge for the Warriors, plus 120, the other guys I'm looking at, and I'll say this, the the props here, these are the... The series best bet I gave and the game one best bets we'll do. The, these are locked in. Like I'm, i I've bet these already. The, the the series props we're working through. Joe and I have an article that we're gonna deal on the series props. But where I'm at right now is my long shot value I like is a similar 40 to one to your Horford. I'm at 45 to one. I like Marcus Smart. 45 to one at DraftKings. And then I had a note to Jordan Poole. He is 30 to one at DraftKings. That's weird. I don't know why you lost value from last round till now. That is oh. very annoying. <laughs> uh, but I, I I do, I want to talk about Poole a little bit at some point and, and how the benches shape up here because I haven't made up my mind yet what I think about that. Um, but yeah, I like those for finals MVP. And then I think Joe's going to have this one as well. But most rebounds for the series, Draymond Green is plus 1,200. So 12 to one at points bet. I like that one. And did I have anything else here? Uh, also a points, bet: Jalen Brown against Clay Thompson points per game. Yeah. Just Ooh. heads up. Jalen Brown, love Jalen Brown here. I think he's going to take that one by four or five points. It's minus minus one sixty-seven, So it's a lot of juice, but I think that it's, it's not an even head to head matchup there.
2: Joe, do you have anything that Brandon doesn't have? Are you guys just like in lock? Should I just invited one of you once. Is that you guys are just betting the same things
1: uh we did bet that and then i think that you can bet curry to lead the series in threes and i would take it at points bet it's minus 125 i hate taking a juiced prop like this but like going into game 1 but i just think his volume is much much more significant than everybody else's and i don't trust Tatum or Brown to like be consistent from three point range the entire series and I don't want to take clay. I think his points are going to be low. Like he's sitting around 20. So, I mean, I know he takes a lot of threes, but I, I don't want it to go that way. So I think that Curry at minus minus one twenty five, just based on volume, he should be able to get that lead in terms of three pointers made on the series as a whole. So it's a juice, kind of a juice prop, but I think that there's some value there. Do
0: you a finals MVP, Joe?
1: I agree. I think Curry's the hedge, but well, Horford is 120 to one at Fanduel. If you want to sprinkle that, and then uh, I I struggle to get away from Draymond. I just feel like if if the Warriors do win, that he is going to be a menace on like everywhere. And then plus you have that Curry not never getting an MVP kind of narrative. Like I don't know if they need to give it to him. And then I feel like Draymond could have won one before. So at 14 to one, I don't hate it especially because I think that he's going to be so necessary in stopping, you know, Tatum, Horford, whoever, you know, whoever uh, Boston wants to throw on offense. Yeah. I should note that I definitely did bet the, uh, the 100,
2: the 120 to one for Horford. Uh, That was the number I got. So, all right. Joe and Brandon are extremely sharp on props and they do a really good job. And Brandon will tell you about how good a job he does pretty much constantly. Um, But like they're, Here for a reason and they are and they're excellent at this i'm going to present the other side of the curry case with the caveat that if you are like i'm trying to decide between the two take their advice okay i'm not going to do it but you should take their advice they're very good at this here's my argument against steph one he's never won finals mvp okay sure other series other teams yes uh the reason he's never won finals mvp is when you get to this level you're facing teams that are on some level competent with the possible exception of the 2017 and 18 Cavaliers defensively. Um, Typically speaking, those and KD was around for those. uh, Teams that are competent are going to be able to gear in and find certain mechanisms against specifically what Steph does. The Warriors don't spam pick and roll. Steph's not going to run a pick and roll with Draymond, get Tatum on a switch, get Marcus Smart or Al Horford on a switch, dribble him up and then, pull, then then shoot a fadeaway pull-up in his face. One, because the Celtics will throw a double team at him. But two, that's inherently not what they do. They want to get Steph and opportunities for him coming off of that burst of speed, coming around screens. The best way you counter that is with the switch, which is why teams that switch have always caused Golden State trouble. And the Celtics off-ball screening, the, the Mavericks are really good on-ball. They're not very good off-ball. ball. On Off ball, every scenario, the Celtics switches, when you watch them, are clean. They always call them out, unless Robert Williams is involved. They always call them out. They know how to do it. They know how to show. And the number one priority on every single report they will be hammered upon upon the next four days is going to be do not lose Steph Curry. Under no circumstances. They will throw doubles at him in certain scenarios. They like to blitz him when they run elevators. They like to blitz him in double screen situations. They especially double him when running what are in mid-transition stagger screens. You have one guy set one pick and then a couple of feet back, you have another, another pick there. The Warriors love that. But teams have figured out how to defend it pretty well, and Boston defends it better than almost anybody. If you want the numbers, here they are: over the last five seasons, the Celtics have allowed the ninth fewest shots per 100 possessions for Steph Curry of any team in the league. So that shows you that there's a baseline in the in the Tatum era of a competency in limiting Steph opportunities. Two in the in this this season, it was 11th. They also slowed him down to a pretty high degree. When Steph does get opportunities, guess what? He shoots pretty well because he's the greatest shooter of all time. But the Celtics are not going to focus on defending Steph's shots. They're going to focus on denying him the ball entirely. I honestly do not know if there's a better person involved for this than Marcus Smart. If you're talking about there will be situations where they won't switch, where Smart will just dart around and be able to contest. He won't call for the switch, and he'll just try and contest those shots, and it's absolutely pretty ridiculous Since 2017-18, Steph Curry is 9 of 27 with Marcus Smart contesting. A 44% effective field goal percentage. So, if you don't think that, if you take this into consideration, and the Celtics have a very disciplined defense that may have breakdowns, but probably won't lose Steph, Steph would have to get it through assists, which is difficult to do with a switching defense and without a lob threat. If somebody's going to be picking up those dimes, it's going to be Draymond. It's going to be they blitz him, short roll to Draymond, lob to Looney at the bucket, lob dunk or Porter or kick out to the wing to Clay. I think that Draymond is a little bit live, but I don't think he's going to be able to score enough for the voters to vote on him. Yeah. The voting panel is going to be one of Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. One. Of the studio show, so either Stephen A. Smith, Mike Wilbon, or Jalen Rose. It will be likely Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. It will be likely uh, one of the representatives from one of the Bay Area newspapers. Likely, I would say, either Tim Kawakami, Anthony Slater, or Marcus Thompson from The Athletic. One of Jay King or Jared Weiss from The Athletic. Uh, And there'll be a hand one international representative and and a few other national reporters. Sam Amick has typically been a been one of those guys. and I argued about this on a, on a prior episode. I do not believe that there will be, I think Al Horford is more likely to get the narrative. Like, look at this story. Al had 30 in game four. He had 25 in the closeout game six. I think he's more likely to get not a pity vote, but like a, Lifetime achievement vote than Steph Curry is, despite Steph not having won it. I think there's too many opportunities and too many ways. If there's one guy that I, I trust the best defense in the league to zone in on, it's Steph Curry, who doesn't just rise and fire. So to me, I can't find the value on Steph Curry. Joe, I'll go to you first, and then I'll let Brandon go back.
1: Yeah, I I get what you're I get what you're getting at. I think that even despite that like looking at the last really in his career in 10 games against Marcus Smart, Curry averages 21 points, 4.6 assists. A lot of that's like kind of skewed because he has two really bad games with like 9 points and 3 points. Um so the bulk of them he's still putting up, you know, in the 20s uh if not, you know, a couple like monster games with like 47 points whatever. I think if Curry, if the Warriors are going to win the series, Curry has to be good. So I think that it's kind of one of those like I get where you're what you're saying in terms of who could contain him but if the Warriors win it's because Curry beat that so I think that's my pushback on the MVP part see I have a lot more faith in in Golden
2: State's defense I think Golden State can win this with like a great clay game or a great pool game or a great Wiggins game and then like yeah like Steph has 20 and 22 or whatever on an inefficient shooting performance but it's enough to like carry him past Brandon your thoughts
0: yeah, I mean, I think they can win a game that way or a couple of games that way. But I agree. I agree with everything you said, Matt. Everything you said, I just think that you just made the case for the Celtics winning the yeah. series. Yep. And yeah. and that's why, like, you asked, you asked before, Joe, why do you like the Celtics? Like, all the stuff you just said is why I like the Celtics. Right. Because the Warriors need Steph. Yes, I agree with what Joe said, too. The Warriors only can win the finals if Steph plays like he deserves the MVP. I don't think he's going to be able to, which is why I don't think they're going to win the finals, but that's why it's the hedge for me because if he just goes ballistic and makes all the shots or finds solutions that we're not seeing right now because he's Steph, then I think that he's the MVP.
2: Yeah, so I think that's like a great point, right? So when I say hedge, I, I have basically separated my bets. I have my series bets and I have my MVP bets. So yeah. Tatum is my hedge on a number of series MVP. I bet Tatum, I bet Horford, I bet Clay. Those are the three that I, that I've got. I've got Pool from before. I've got Steph from before at a bigger number. But I like yeah. I don't the the Steph thing was basically built off of. I'm getting Steph Curry, who I think is going to make the finals at a bigger plus number, right? So like if we just look at I, I'm approaching it as Tatum is my hedge to where if. Horford doesn't win and clay doesn't win. I think it's going to be Tatum and Tatum. If, if I'm right and the Celtics win and Horford doesn't win it, I think it's gonna be Tatum. I I just continue to not be sold on Jalen Brown for a number of reasons. The dribbling. I don't know how you like, if anybody's thinking about betting Jalen Brown for MVP, I don't know how you can do that given that he can't dribble. I, I think if you're going to win in finals MVP, you need to be able to dribble the basketball. Do you agree, Brandon?
0: I mean, I agree, except for the fact that we, we literally just saw him be in the mix and saw several actual voters who voted on the awards say that they were considering him. Like, he was right there in the mix. So But, but who won, Brendan? They were considering him. He had chances in Game 6 and Game 7. Like, look, we lost the bet. I, I bet it four times and it lost. There you go. You're happy I lost the bet. But he was right there. He had value on the 12 and 14 and 10 to 1 number. So you can't just say, well, he'll never win an MVP thing. He can't dribble like that is reductive. And it's, he was, despite having four turnovers the last three games in a row, and despite having very bad stretches and moments, which he did all those things, he still was right there with a chance to win. I think though, the correction is this. If you like Jalen, what I have learned from this, from agonizingly watching the entire fourth quarter as Jalen just, Stood over in the corner and waited in case he happened to get an open three-pointer whenever Tatum was done doing his stuff. You can't wait for Tatum, you you can't wait for Brown to win this at game seven or to win this in the fourth quarter. If Brown would win it somehow, it has to be because he gets the knockout punch early with the big game or something. Yeah. So let me circle sort of back to a question that I brought up earlier because that kind of ties to the thing I feel least confident about still in the series. I don't know what I think this looks like when the bench units are in and let's be clear. Bench unit means semi bench unit. We're talking about like seven and eight man rotation here. So to me, bench unit means Jason Tatum off the court bench unit means Steph Curry off the court. Like that's, that's the main thing. How are you, how are you handling when your superstar is off the court? And I think that either Jalen Brown for the Celtics because he's hunting Poole and maybe even clay a little bit at this stage, maybe that's where Brown shines and gets a little run. Or that's why I think Jordan Poole is a huge swing X factor in the series, because if they're going to win those bench units and I know he's going to get attacked, but if he can win his matchup and get his points, I think that is a huge way to swing for the warriors favor.
2: That's a great point. That is an absolutely terrific point because, um, I think it's tougher for Jalen to attack those mismatches because what was the reason? Okay. he can't dribble. And so if you can't dribble, it's very hard for you to attack these targeting things, right? The warrior second unit is oftentimes gonna be pool and clay. The warriors will also send help. Like they actually did a really good job versus the Mavericks when they started targeting pool, they, they sent enough help to kind of deter. And so like, there was a lot of opportunities there for them to be able to to kind of limit that. So I, I, I think it's interesting. The Celtics won the second quarters versus the Heat and Bucks consistently. And I wonder if they're gonna lose these second quarters and fourth quarters yeah. versus I, these versus the Warriors, yeah. because part of it too is gonna be if you're scoring, but the Warriors are scoring, the Warriors are gonna be like, We'll live with it. We have more weaponry than you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I,
0: um a Jordan Poole stat. Games one through three. So Jordan Poole is averaging 17.4 points a game for the playoffs. Here's what's wild. In games one, two, or three, so this makes sense if you think about it. When is Poole gonna play more? Probably early in the series until we start to adjust and be like, uh-oh, he's starting to get targeted. We're gonna have to take his minutes down a little bit. Yeah. And games one and two, he's banned at home. And to be fair, we have games one, two, and three from the first series when Steph is out and coming off the bench. Yeah. So all that plays in a little bit. However, Games one, two, and three Jordan Poole for the playoffs has averaged 24 points per game game four and beyond 11.1 points per game it is a massive swing. there. His over under right now for game. One points is 15 and a half. He's under that in six of the seven games late in series. He's had 19 or more points in eight of the nine game one, two and threes in the series. So think pool early on the two home games we know he's way better at home if they can get him going I think that that gets interesting I might look for some alternate pool prop overs early on and I think too if you have a book that does cash out I don't know if I truly believe Jordan Pool can win finals MVP that's asking a lot but I could see a cash out value where we're getting this long number and he has some early good games before it starts to kind of move on out. But Matt, do you think he's not going to get played off in the matchups? Like he has been.
2: I don't actually, I think a part of golden state's equation is going to be, we don't want to try and win a slug fest. Like part of this is just about, this is a matter of, do you think again, we're back to the Boston offense thing. Do you think their offense is good enough to sustain versus golden state? If golden state doesn't start taking defensive liabilities off the court, can they exploit those enough? I yeah. think that they are, which is why I'm betting Celtics. Um, it's close, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not like, oh, Golden State is in trouble here. I'm like, no, I, I think the value is on Boston. I think Boston's going to win. I'm picking Boston in six. I think this is, could be a really great series. And a lot of this is like intangible stuff. And because once you start getting into like who actually has more firepower, I firmly believe that it's the Warriors. But Boston has found enough offensive answers. They just have Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Jalen Brown everybody um that's all kind of on the books
0: uh all right brandon we got one more problem i'll let you get one more in buddy all right this one's just for fun it's probably going to lose but it's going to be the most fun bet you make for the finals and i actually think the odds are in our favor at DraftKings. you can bet will either team break the record for most three-pointers in a finals game that means 25 threes or more it's 20 to 1 I think that there's slight value there. The Warriors have never done this yet in their whole stretch of all these title runs. Their max is 21. 25 is a lot more than 21 on three pointers, but they had 20 against the Grizzlies. They're going to shoot a lot of threes in these series. That's what the numbers from the regular season told us. That's how the the Celtics defense, I think is going to line up. I know it's not what's happened so far, but that's, I think how the matchup is going to go. I ran the math. If you go 47 attempts at their season of 36% per game, that gives you a 1.2% chance of doing this in a game. You got six games. We're up to 6.9% chance. Nice, nice chance of being able to do that. And we get Celtics too.
1: You got that, Joe? That's, that's something. It seems like a lot.
0: You're going to, you're probably, we're probably going to lose, but it's the most fun bet because imagine the one Warriors game when it's at home, And the third quarter avalanche comes and there's three threes in a minute and we're up to like 18 and everyone's, you're doing the math and trying to figure it out. We're probably going to lose still. But think of how much fun we're going to have when we hit to that 17, 18 and we're like, come on, seven more, six more. They have have to get 26 threes, right? 25.
2: (laughs) Is it the tie or break? Because 25 is a record.
0: 25 is the number that it says at DraftKings. Okay.
2: So there to be a 24 and Jalen Brown's going to miss four threes. And then I'm going to... And it's gonna be it's, golden state it's not gonna be boston it's 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 gonna be amazing all right guys uh thanks for breaking this down we're gonna have a game one episode up for you make sure to check that out make sure to check out the action network app it's got all of our content including all of our previews and prop bets you can follow joe and brandon's props in the app as well we'll be back this week all throughout the week lots of episodes daily covering the nba finals i've got guests lined up it's gonna be a fantastic week here let's get buckets